Good morning, my people. Today is a special day. Today is the first day of the Almost There podcast, and we have a special guest to add some value for you guys. Uh, his name is John Lottie. He's a property owner. He owns about uh, 20 properties in the UNC Charlotte area, and he's going to sit down and we're going to have a great conversation about where he came from, the struggles he went through, and what he's learned in the real estate business. I guess we'll start your origin, where you're from, you know, yeah. what was childhood life like for you? Yeah, yeah, so I'm originally from New York, lived up there till I was about 22, mm. um, got a two-year degree up there um, from Hudson Valley in Albany, New York, mm. um, community college, and then, uh, you know, just tried to apply around the country where to go, yeah. uh, somewhere warmer, so um, just kind of settled on Charlotte, because I figured big city, I can get a job when I graduate, you know, plant some roots, yeah. um, you know, also get a great degree, um, and then can then kind of, you know, I applied, got in, and that's kind of where it went, so. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you did mechanical? Civil. Civil, so. Yeah, so, um, my dad, uh, he's a retired police officer from okay. New York City, okay. and when he retired, he got a, um, you know, he bought a few pieces of equipment and started doing site work for people, um, you know, uh, septic systems, leach fields, um, gotcha. you know, small foundation work, so I was very interested in earthwork, septic design, um, mainly because I saw the easy money. I would go to my dad with the, uh, to the engineer's office um, mm-hmm. when he'd draw up some plans to get the civil engineer to stamp it, and the guy would look at it for five minutes and say, okay, you're ready to go, put his stamp on it, my dad would give him 500 bucks, and I'm like, man, that was the easiest money that guy ever wow. made. So uh, that's kind of what I saw growing up, and uh, so I aspired to be an engineer growing up. You said your father retired, and then he went into yeah, this uh, and... yeah. A lot of police officers do that. They'll put really? in twenty, twenty five years if they start at you know twenty one, mm-hmm. and then they'll be retired by like forty five, forty six, and then they can basically do whatever they want, and wow. then they're on a pension as well. So oh wow, yeah, that's neat. When you were doing your undergrad or your two year degree. And early on in high school, was that when you were really pulling that influence from your father? Yeah, so um, definitely from my dad for, you know, I was I was the first one in my family to get a college degree. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that was big because he didn't have one, my mom didn't have one. So they kind of push, hey, you know, go to college, get a job, get a good job, you mm-hmm. know, and you'll, and you'll be set. Um, obviously, what we see now is that's, that's not always the case. Right. Um, there's always a, um, you know, how can I do side hustle how can i you know invest in real estate stocks um you know cryptocurrency anything like that to kind yeah. of make an extra buck so. right so i want to talk a little bit about some of the experiences that you had early on what, what were some of the turning points or forming experiences in your life that established a mental fortitude so you know when i moved down here in 2007 it was before the housing crash okay. and um that's when they were giving away mortgages if you had a pulse and a social security yeah. number you could get a mortgage so i basically cashed in the bonds i had when i was a kid uh worked the summer before coming down here save up money for a down payment mm-hmm. um you know on a house down here to buy i would figure i'd much rather do that rather than living in an apartment complex and i also saw it as a i could establish a residency to save on school as well so that's kind of what i did and then you know i was like i had this four bedroom house all to myself right by campus and I'm like man you know I should start renting these extra rooms out to mm-hmm. my buddies kind of just making a little extra money and uh, so that's how it kind of started mm-hmm. um, just doing that just to get by and then um, the construction company I worked for in New York actually uh, transferred me um, down to the Charlotte office so that's also why it came to UNC Charlotte I came down here with a job so wow. it was it was great awesome. um, so I you know worked 25 hours a week 
you know, took, you know, 16, 18 credits every semester because with engineering, it's block scheduling. You, you never take under 16 credits if you want to graduate on time. Mm-hmm. So that was tough getting through school doing that. Um, but then um, the, the yeah. housing market hit, um, you know, construction basically stopped. Mm-hmm. So the boss came to me and said, hey, man, you know why I'm here. You're a low man in the totem pole. You're basically an intern. Um, you know, I, I got to start cutting some costs somewhere. And I got to let you go. And I was, I was, it killed me because I was... That was you know, my thing in construction. I wanted to be, you know, just stay with this company forever, you know, become right. the man. And then it just ended suddenly. Right. Um, so then I got thinking to where, you know, even if you have a college degree, you're still working for somebody else. Mm. You can st- that can still end at a, your time with a company could end at a moment's notice, you know, regardless of how good of an employee you are. Because um, mm. obviously outside conditions have a big impact on that. So... Uh, then I, I, I started panicking, but then I also thought, I said, hey, um, I do have some income coming in from these rooms I'm renting out. Mm-hmm. And then I, the light bulb went off and I was like, well, what if I build a wall, you know, by the dining room, put on a door and, and make that another bedroom because we don't use it and, and, you know, get an extra four or five hundred bucks a month. Yeah. And that's kind of what I did. And that's that kind of that kind of got me interested in in kind of just a side hustle it was never considered real estate investing because it was my own home it was never considered a business i just did it for some extra cash granted it was you know a little annoying have so many roommates but i was able to to live especially back then nobody was hiring nobody um so uh 2009 i was ready to graduate with a civil engineering degree from charlotte Mm -hmm. um and you know that just nobody was hiring especially entry-level jobs coming out of school so um they had just formed the construction management program at Charlotte. So I said, hey, you know, might as well stay in school and get another degree. So I stayed basically another year, um, took summer classes, mm-hmm. and uh, got another uh, degree, a construction manager degree. So I graduated in 2010 with a civil engineering degree and a construction wow. manager okay. degree. So, you know, and the construction manager degree helped me a lot, you know, with the entrepreneurial stuff because I was able to take business law, macro, microeconomics, accounting okay, one, accounting okay. two, all yeah. the classes engineers do not take. Um, and that, you know, helped me a lot with um, with business. You know, being an entrepreneur, you would expect every entrepreneur to go to school for, you know, get an MBA, business management. Um, yeah. You know, I know they have some entrepreneurial classes over there now. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't take any of that. Right. That's kind of how it's unique. You know, when I tell people I'm a professional engineer and this is what I'm doing now, it kind of blows them away. Like, wow, yeah. you know, how could you put all that work into school, pass all the tests, get licensed, and then basically just walk away from yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it sounds like yeah. you were very intuitive at a young age. You had that strong level of independence from yeah. a young age. I know I didn't have that clarity to be able to just, you know, go in a different environment and be like, all right, this is what yeah. I'm going to do. I'm going to do it myself. And then, you know, figure it out on my own so that's I think that's really special and you kind of yeah. just initially were getting by or you know whatever it was to to get some income you know yeah. at that time and it, built, it. it yeah. built into something I had to survive yeah. so that was my way of survival I yeah. mean I had the assets to do it as far as the house right um, to where I could make some extra income so that really helped me if I was living in an apartment I would have been out of luck I would have been you know I don't know what I would have done probably just taking out more school loans and you know run up the bill more so um but yeah I got by and uh you know then graduated in 2010 so that's awesome initially that would be your first house that you own that you rented yeah. out to other people and I and like I said before I really never considered it real estate investing um when I was doing it nor did I consider it really you know when I graduated because uh mm-hmm. you know met my wife last semester mm-hmm. of college um wow. we both graduated in 2010 
So, um, you know, we moved in together, moved up to Huntersville by the lake, um, and I kept um, my house in the university area gotcha. right by the school and rented out my room. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, graduated, got a job, didn't get a job in the engineering field. I got a job in the construction field, the commercial construction awesome. field, because yeah. that's kind of what I wanted to go into. I always wanted to be like a licensed professional engineer in the construction field. So everybody would kind of like look up to me as, hey, he's got, he can be designing stuff, but he's out here building stuff, which is, which is kind of unique in itself. Right. You know, and, and with those two degrees, I mean, I remember going into the, the guidance office, you know, before I graduated and doing the mock interviews, helping you with the resume, doing yeah. all that stuff. And then basically, uh, you know, they're like, well, um, what are you going to ask for as yeah. far as salary wise? You know, and I said, I'm, I'm sure I'll get 65, 70,000 coming out of school. And, uh, you know, that was that was a lot of money back then. Oh, um, so and, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It just didn't happen. I mean, I was uh, I did a few few contract jobs here and there. Had a contract job for Lowe's corporate yeah. and Mooresville, and then I I finally got the call as a uh, project engineer for a construction company in Charlotte, um, and the offer was forty grand a year, and uh, that was a big reality check for me. I come yeah. out of school with you know didn't have the best grades. But you know, coming out of school with those two degrees, and it was crazy because that was like the only offer. And I, I didn't even, I didn't even think for a second that I would turn it down. I jumped at it because it's what I wanted to be doing. I said, yeah. "Look, it's low. I'll go in there. I'll bust my tail. I'll get a raise. Everything will work out." Yeah. And that's kind of what I did. I, I, I went to work, um, and it was a great experience. Pay was just, you know, for a college graduate. I was, it was, it was a shock. It was tough. Yeah. 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 Well, and then you still had the passive income coming in, right? Yeah, I did. And that helped me a lot because um, yeah. we still had the one house and I rented, you know, five or six people at the time. So, um, yeah, still had that passive income come in. And that was really before I started the business yeah. um, per se. So, okay. um, you know, there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of accounting expenses, wasn't a lot of other, you know, Over, business yeah. expenses that right. I'm, I'm having to deal with now. So. Gotcha. Since that was your first one. After that is when you realized, you know, I can actually turn this into a business model, start recreating it, right? Yeah. Like many people, uh, the first investing book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. And that's what really, um, I I had no intentions of buying any more properties. Like I said, I, I still didn't even consider real estate investing because that was before the whole you know, all these books came out where everybody's an investor, everybody's an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and I couldn't put it down. I think I read the whole thing in the night. Then I got it on tape so I could listen to it going to work in my car on a CD. Um, and that's kind of what really, you know, just teaching people about, you know, assets and liabilities, the difference, passive income, you know, building building wealth mm-hmm. through stuff outside your job. And I would say probably around 2011, 2012 was the first time I realized that, you know, a nine to five job is not, you can't count on it. No. Because like I said before, you could be the best employee ever, but outside forces, you know, get laid off at any time. Especially a lot of people during the housing crisis saw that, lost their homes. I was very fortunate to be able to hold on to mine. But um, that's what really kind of lit a fire under. Okay, awesome, awesome. I was reading How to Create Wealth, Investing in Real Estate uh, by Grant Cardone, and I see him telling people not to invest in a single family residence as a place like of investment. You know, that's that's where somebody should live, but that's not where somebody should invest. And I think why I initially wanted to do this interview with you was because I realized you cracked that renting out each room and not relying on one, you know, person. I think you kind of already talked about it a little bit with how you did it initially, but how have you seen that grown and have you 
um, really mastered that principle. Yeah, so um, I rarely disagree with Grant Cardone yeah. um, on a lot of stuff investing because I have read most of his books. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I listen to podcasts. I, I follow him on social media. Just a real, he's a really brash guy. Yeah. That's kind of how I come off. So I yeah. feel our personalities match pretty well. There is one thing I completely disagree with him on is that um, single family versus multifamily. He, he does say not invest in single family homes for real estate. But something somebody like Grant Cardone doesn't understand is the barrier to entry for people wanting to invest in real estate to buy a multifamily property right. is so much higher than a single family home. Now you have guys like Dave Ramsey saying you should not you should never take out a loan to buy an investment property, you should always buy cash. But if you're sitting on the sidelines for five to seven years saving that money exactly. to buy a, a, a single family home to rent out, you're, that's all the years you're losing of building wealth. Right. So yeah, um, I vehemently disagree with him about that mm-hmm. um, because the barrier to entry for um, you know just pe- regular people that have day jobs and just you know can put away bonuses, can put away you know a few hundred dollars a month, you know is so much higher. Because I mean, if you're looking at a you know a two million dollar apartment complex the bank's going to want 40 percent down yeah instead of the standard 10 to 20 percent you know being able to come up with you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that um is just really um so what would it be it would be eight hundred thousand on two million dollar property a lot of people just don't have that laying around um now granted you can probably do some creative financing and, and do some crowdfunding and kind of pull some investors together but um i see it as you want to be you want to steer their ship yourself you don't want other people grabbing on the wheel when you're trying to create wealth for yourself and your family absolutely which i see having partners is is that that's what um that's kind of what you get into i can agree with that as well a lot of people don't have the privilege of, of doing that and i've read into crowdfunding a little bit and I kind of feel the same way, you know, yeah. like if I, if I go down, I want it to be my fault, not That's everybody right. else's. Yeah, or if you go up. Yeah, you exactly. Wanna, you, you, you know, know you, you take all that money. with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And people don't pull their weight. I mean, he came out with something called Cardone Capital, which right. basically said, you know, it, it allows anybody, um, you know, I don't know if you know much about accredited investors, mm-hmm. you know, you need a million bucks um, net worth mm-hmm. um, to, to get certified to, to invest in risky real estate deals and stock deals and stuff like that. Okay. So he, he came up with something called Cardone Capital that... Mm-hmm basically allows you to invest with a minimum $10,000 investment and kind of invest in the real estate deals he does. But you got to understand these deals are, you know, 20 to $100 million deals, but there's how many thousands of investors that each go in on this deal. And to me, that just kind of takes the fun out of it. That's like basically giving, you know, money to people that manage your 401k and all that kind of stuff and just saying, here, make me some money. And I hope you do. Yeah. Yeah. So with the single family homes, um, you know, I found that you have much more control. Um, mm-hmm. It's scalable. It's a scalable business to yeah. where, um, you know, it's not going to get out of control. You're not going to have massive overhead like some of these multifamily mm-hmm. um, project, you know, projects. Right. Um, you know, basically the, the upkeep's a lot less. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that that's kind of why I feel it's a better investment for the, you know, regular person. Yeah. So what are some misconceptions you had with real estate? before you started scaling the business and what did you realize what they were in reality doing the rental in college um, I kind of learned a lot of stuff in those few years of you know like I said before not running it as a business just running it as a side hustle mm-hmm. to where um, you know I could help model my business um, now obviously the um, the return on investment versus you know how much money you put down and all that kind of stuff um, I think, um, you know, people just think that they're going to make, uh, you know, I'll get a you know, single family home, I'll put 10% down, you know, mortgage payment's going to be X, I'm going to get rent, 
Um, you know, let's say the mortgage payment's 500 bucks a month, I'm gonna rent it out for 1500 bucks a month, and then I'm gonna get a thousand bucks profit. Yeah. And that's obviously not the case. Right. You have, you know, taxes, insurance, uh, you know, your mortgage payment, obviously. Um, all the upkeep of the property, um, mm-hmm. you know, maintenance, kind of stuff like that, so which really eats into it, so. Gotcha, so yeah. what are the biggest issues you've faced you know, they talk about tenants, termites, and toilets, right? Is that something you find very troublesome in the industry? When I first started, we bought our first two homes, mm-hmm. um, investment properties, um, you know, which would be our second and third house in, at the end of 2013. So that's really when we got started in the business. And, you know, so basically with having our first house, second and third house, you know, we, we all of a sudden, you know, we're renting to about, you know, 15 people. Really didn't have any issues at that point, but as the people turned over, I, you know, there was some undesirables that moved in. How I got around that was I started basically doing background checks on everybody. It's been phenomenal. I've had minimal problems since I started doing that. So go right through TransUnion Smart Move, get the background check done, does a simple credit criminal and eviction. Mm -hmm. And uh, by doing that, um, that has really helped us prevent. you know, turnover issues, problems within the property, gotcha. stuff like that. So it's TransUnion? Yeah, TransUnion is actually one of the credit bureaus. They have okay. a, a service called Smart Move, which is it's for landlords and property managers where you can screen tenants. That's um, great. I mean, like you're an engineer, you, it takes, it takes yeah. a, you know, keeping your head down for a long time and, and uh, believing in yourself to get that degree period. But yeah. apart from the money, what keeps you motivated? What is different about this job than working for someone? Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, I would say my main driving uh, force is my family. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, when I was in college, when I got laid off, there was, that was that was one of the worst feelings of my life. Yeah. Just I'd never lost a job before. It was just a huge letdown. I just bought a car. I just bought a house, and I just was I felt alone. How am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get another job? How am I going to get through school? Um, and then getting out of school, starting a family, getting married, starting a family. I kind of I. I thought to myself, how bad would that have been if I had a wife and kids to take care of and, yeah. and that happened? Wow. So that's kind of what, you know, with reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and all the other investment books I read, um, yeah. that's what really helped, you know, keep the fire going underneath me to kind of basically have that second form of income um, regardless of what I was doing, um, you know, with the, with the day job working for somebody else day to day. And uh, I mean, I would say we probably got up to... We got up to 15 properties wow. um, by the time I um, retired from day job last year. Yeah. Um, you know, and just the difference between working for somebody else is, you know, I get to make my own schedule. I get to wake up every morning with my kids, cook them breakfast. I get yeah. to put them to bed every night. Um, there's no, hey, I got to go to the office. I'll see you later. I get to spend as, as much time with them as I want to. Yeah. And that's what's really great because, um, you know, I... I I'll be taking them to swim class or golf lessons or something like that. And I'll see people, you know, running to that meeting in a suit and tie or just yeah. rushing around. And right. I'm just like, man, you know, that was me a year, year and a half ago. And it still could be me today yeah. if we didn't take the time to turn this side hustle into an actual business right. and, and make a career out of it. And build, so, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because I remember my parents, I mean, I had uh, three siblings, three brothers. So we were all in different sports, you know, growing up. So time is the most valuable that's right yeah time is the only thing you can't get more of and that's a lot of people don't realize i mean you know there's so much money to be made out in the world but um time is the one thing you can't buy 
the the thing I loved about this house was that you have somebody taking care of the lawn. You know, the maid comes once a month. You furnish everything. So did you initially do that because you wanted to streamline the business? Yeah, so basically it, it kind of happened by accident because, mm. um, as I said before, with the first house, I lived there. So all my furniture was there. My TV was there. And then when, um, you know, my, my wife and I bought a house up in Huntersville for, you know, us to move in together, um, I kind of basically... You know, her stuff was nicer than mine, yeah. so I was like, oh, I'll leave, I'll leave this in the house. So then it was, it was kind of like, hey, you know, I'm providing all this stuff. People don't have to move in. The, all the utilities are already set up. The TVs are already on the wall. The internet set up. And then um, I just decided that, um, you know, I could, I could basically charge them a separate fee, which mm-hmm. has now been combined into basically one monthly fee for the, um, you know, all the, all the furniture, right. um, all the utilities, um, you know, the monthly maid service comes in, cleans all the common areas. Oh, yeah. um, that's great because it helps keep the house, you know, pretty mm-hmm. clean, yeah. um, especially for me coming in and showing rooms yeah. and then, uh, you know, landscaping service. So it's basically, it's basically like living in an apartment complex, yeah, it's great. but everything is furnished for you. So um, kind of happened by accident, but now it's just, it's just an added bonus to the business of um you know it's a little more costly up front getting all that stuff in place and mm-hmm. finding furniture and getting everything set up but um you know once it's set it's set which yeah. is great okay so we've covered a little bit of where we are now in your business so talk a little bit about where you see yourself headed absolutely so um we feel my wife and i we feel we have two different options yeah you know we could uh we could keep going how we are, um, you know, and, and, and buy, you know, keep buying properties around campus and keep doing the same thing. It's a, it's a proven business model. We know it works, mm-hmm. but then as you related to before, you know, how much time do you really want to put into it? How many people do you want to deal with? Did I, did I leave a day job to just become a property manager? Yeah. Um, and that's what I don't want to do. Right. Um, so yeah, either hiring somebody um, mm-hmm. to work underneath me to basically run the day-to-day operations mm-hmm. and then just be if a, you know if something important comes up, get involved. Yeah. Um, that would be great. Or, um, you know, we've thrown out the idea of, you know, five to seven years, potentially cashing out all the properties, taking all our equity and doing what Mr. Cardone does and, and buying a big apartment complex and then just turning it over to a property manager and then, you know, yeah. nine months out of the year, we're on a beach somewhere. We're, we're throwing around both ideas. Yeah. Um, obviously the more, the more real estate we buy, um, around campus, the, the much more we'll have to put down to an apartment complex and we do decide to go that route. Right. But, um, that's, that's two options we're considering right awesome. now. Awesome. So. That freedom is key, right? Time. Yeah. Yeah. I know we talked about the crash earlier in the housing market. And they're talking about this bubble about to blow up again. Yeah. So as we approach that time, what do you see as a solution make that crash an advantage? I found one thing that is insulated to another housing crash, another mortgage bubble, and that's student housing. The government is, is never going to stop giving these, these kids loans. They need a place to live. Um, so that's the clientele that's not going to lose a job yeah. and not be able to afford to pay rent. Gotcha. They're always looking for somewhere to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these apartment complexes around campus, you know, they're, they're charging 8 dollars 50 a bedroom. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's just crazy. And the, the kids will pay it yeah. because they're just like, oh, I'll take out a student loan and just pay. Well, I'll worry about it down the road. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I would say single family homes around any college campus mm-hmm. um, with, you know, student housing is, is very insulated. Right now, um, you know, I've exceeded the 10 mortgage limit with a conventional mortgage. So I've been doing my mortgages now through a small local bank, and mm-hmm. they're basically commercial loans through my business. Gotcha. So, um, you know, that that's where I don't really know if a, a mortgage bubble would affect us much. But um, 
I kind of hate to say this. I'm, I'm, we're anticipating the next crash because that's when we can buy up a lot of properties yeah. at pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Um, you know, it's unfortunate what happens to some of those people. Right. But you know, somebody's got to buy the house. Exactly. So, yeah. and that's kind of what you know. The, the, I told you those first two houses we bought in 2013, they were both foreclosures. Wow. Both foreclosure okay. properties. Um, I remember the the a, a large one we bought. It was it's right in Autumnwood, right on the other side of campus. It was yeah. a five bed, three full bath house. 2400 square feet we bought it for 121,000 wow we just basically got it reappraised a few months ago to pull some cash out of it to mm-hmm. put a new another property appraised for 225 wow so in in basically what is it six years yeah just sitting Double. on the house it basically doubled yeah, its value so it's it's you know people always say you know there's a misconception of you make money when you sell something mm-hmm. that's completely false you make money when you buy something right and it's what you can the value you can get out of it when you sell correct yeah and I, and I also got to thank my wife too i mean she's she's the one that basically cuz i remember we had a discussion about it we were having dinner one night and we talked about it. We we're like well okay now we have a house i got a good job what do, what do we want to do do we want to get rid of my house that we were renting out or yeah. do we want to see if we can buy some more and, and kind of just duplicate that process and right then and there we decided hey let's let's buy some more so we like i said we bought you know two of them in december of 2013 and uh haven't haven't looked back since you know where can people find your business you know let people know yeah um your instagram or whatever social media your website obviously yeah um i'll also link it in wherever i post it down below yeah so, yeah absolutely um, so uh, our website is uh cltrent.com and uh you know it's a new website we're really excited about it um you know our residents can uh, can now log on to that website pay their rent um submit uh, service requests um, it's also great for the marketing because then we can, you know, um, show prospective uh, residents the website. We have all the services we offer on there. They can fill out an application, and um, you know, we can we can find a place to live for awesome. uh, for school. Definitely a lot more reasonable living on campus or uh, one of the high priced apartment complexes. Oh, absolutely. I've lived in an apartment. I've lived in houses actually in college towns. This is by far. The best living situation I've thank had. You. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate so I respect that a lot. Thank Appreciate you. your time. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. So I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. Um, I just wanted to pull some key takeaways from that conversation. So really briefly, I want to build the frame of how to start your first real estate investment. So first off, you need to have a basic understanding of accounting and accounting principles. You need to be able to know how much your mortgage payment is going to be, your upkeep yearly your taxes, your insurance, and then of course a vision of how much you want to charge for the property every month. So next you want to pick a niche in the market and what that means is you just want to pick a place where you want to focus. So because you might not have all the money in the world to just make different investments everywhere um, and also you know you want to pick a focused area so you can learn more about it as you grow. So first, pick a niche, whether that's, I don't know, retirement homes, college dorms, off-campus student housing, um, uh, condos, beach houses, whatever it is. Uh, Pick one that you find valuable. And then next, you want to find a good location, right? So if it's like a beach house, you want to find a place that um, has a good downtown that people can go to and enjoy their night. Just you want to find amenities and other offerings at that location that people want to go there for. Then you want to pick a specific property at that location. 
um, you know, go spend time at the location, see how it's like to live there. I mean, if you don't want to live there, I don't think somebody else would either, right? And once you see that the property checks out, then you can start figuring out how to finance it. Uh, go to the bank, figure out what um, different options there are in terms of financing your investment. Pick the one that best fits you. With that being said, that concludes the first episode and the key takeaways. I'm Ashwin Nutaki and I wish you guys the best. Keep your head high and stay prepared because you're almost there.